0: Welcome back for another week. Our learning is dedicated to Liyu Nishmad Ripko Badiako Valevi, Lucy Maya and Rina T, Rufusheim of Ritiva Badia Bachayatova, Albert Rachogito, Yidid Yahiman of Bidlok Kachaya, Shalom and Chaya Sarah Sharon and Elkah and Shadokham for all those in need. A special thank you to the Goldenbergs for hosting this week. We have one more week of uh, being in exile, and God willing, we are back to my office in Beit Shemesh near Tashem Bekarov. Okay. So um, we, we're going to try something new today. So I hope the technology works. I have a video that I would like to share with you at some point along the way. But before that, I, I feel like I have to go back to last week because Arthur Marks sent me a question um, after I recorded last week. And he said, how do we know that he chose the name Avimelech for himself? And it says, why are we assuming that the Pasuk means that Melech chose a name for himself as opposed to his father giving it to him. And it kind of made me read the Psukim once again. And, and I did see uh, that Rabbi Hatton addresses it a little bit more in depth in the following uh, chapter in our parak. And so I want to roll back a little bit to that. So let's take a look at Pasuk Havteh. <speaking in Hebrew> Giedon he goes home. He, he, he wins. Midian is quieted. And then we're told that his family. 70 sons. That's a lot, a lot of sons. Because he had a lot, a lot of wives. Now, let's remember that when he kills Zevach and Salmuna, he does say at that point in time to Yeter B'chorot. He turns to Yeter, his oldest, who is still a nar. So in all likelihood, in the times after he finishes defeating Midian, that's when he fathers... This massive family. Perhaps he's a celebrity. There are many women that end up having children with him. Let's Kinashim Rabu They're all wives of his, but he has a lot of wives and he has a lot of children. And then Pasuk Lamed Aleph. he had a pilagesh in Shem. Now, Shem is interesting. When we learned Sefer Yoshua, I believe we did note there that Shem was actually a city that was not conquered by yoshua But there's never a battle with Shem. It seems as though Shechem is a group of people, probably non-Jewish for the most part, who don't want to mess with the Jews. Which makes sense because it could be that whoever rebuilt Shechem is scarred by the image of Shimon and Levi decimating the city. And so he has a Pelegish in Shechem who likely is not Jewish and has a son. And he makes his name Avimelech. Now this is where it gets tricky. There's no qualification to, as, as to who the Vayasem et Shmah is. Now, we could go back to Pasach Lamed, Lamed, which is referring to Gidon having all these sons. And if that's the case, and Gidon had a son, Vayasem et Shmah he gave him the name Avimelech. But this is where I think it's important to take a look and get a, a broader sense of how the Torah names children. If you take a look at Pasuk Lame Bet, this is ironically the next Pasuk, but this is back in Parashas say Vatar Le'ah Vateilet Bain Vatikrash Shmo Ruven. gives birth to a, becomes pregnant, gives birth to a son, Vatikrash Shmo She calls him Ruven. Blah, 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 blah. Next, Pasuk Vatar O Vateilet Bain Vatikrash She gives birth again and she names him Shimo. And then Vatar O Vateilet Bain he was called Levi. The thing is that in all three of these cases, and if you look carefully through aberration, most of the times that a child is given a name, it's a Vayikra, the father names it. Vatikra, the mother names it. Al-Kain Kara, the community names him. Or Ruach HaKodesh in this case, perhaps. But vayasem et Shmo is not Kara. There's a difference in how it's written here. Why? says by Michael Hatton, that's proof that what? He gave himself the name. Now Rabbi Hatton paints an absolutely stunning picture. He says, let's look and let's imagine. When, were, when was he born? In fact, when were all of these kids born? If Yeter was so young, at the time that Giddo defeats Midyah, it stands the reason that most of these kids were born much later. They're raised, says Rabbi Hatton, well after the defeat of Midyan, and they're raised, and they listen to the stories of their father's victories in battle, and more. They also hear the story of their father being offered the melucha. Now the message that Gidon is probably going to tell them is, I was offered it, and what did I say? God should be the one. But Abimelech doesn't hear that. Abimelech hears who my father was this warrior king. He turns it down. What a waste. And so he says, et he says, I declare that my name will be Abimelech. Why? Because ultimately I will be the king, meaning I will take my father's victories and complete them. My father was the running back that got to the one yard line and was held up on fourth and goal. I won't do that. I'm going to break through all barriers. Head for the, right? That's it. I'm going to win. That's what Avimelech was. And so he, Avimelech, picks a name for himself that's befitting of his dreams. That is the dream to rule. And with that, we find ourselves in Pasek Aleph. ben He comes, avimelech, the son of Yerubal, the son of Gedor. he comes to Shechem, to the brothers of his mother. Why to the brothers of his mother? Why does it say that? Because Shechem was a non-Jewish city, and in all likelihood, his mother's family, or the people in Shechem, are not, not Jewish as well. He speaks to them and the the ganze mishpacha, the whole family. And he says to them, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go speak to all the ba'alei shechem. Speak to all the people of shchem, And say, what do you want? I'm show. Do you want 70 rulers? Or do you want one? Remember that I am your flesh and blood. Says Avi Melech, why? Why do you want Avi Melech, this Jewish guy, he's foreign to you. Why do you want him to rule over you? No, pick me. I'll do it. And we're family. What do you think is going to happen if family rules over you? I'll take care of you. Everything will be amazing. Everything you need. I am there for you. Why? And they, they do it. His family goes to all the people of Shem and their hearts go towards Melech. Now, why is that? Maybe because he's one of them. Maybe there is a, we don't like the Jews piece to this. I don't know. But their hearts are turned and they say, He is our brother. Now this is where, this is where the story gets so sad. And we have to remember that Shechem is a fascinating place. So far, Shechem has some good things that are happening. It's Abram's first entry point in Teretzal. It's Yaakov's return point in Teretzal. It's the first piece of land owned by Cloud Tissot. But that's when That's when it starts heading south. Dina is kidnapped and raped there. Yosef is sold in Shechem. Or at least Shechem is the place that begins his his sale. But then we have a highlight. Shechem is quiet for a while. Yoshua's entry point is not in Shechem, it's by Yericho. But from there, at least midrashically, he goes straight up that day to Shechem and it's the place of the the brachot the It's the place of our grizim and our evil. So Shem has this fascinating dialectic. It's it's the the good and the bad together. It's not one that's just good or one that's just bad, but it's both. They're pulling these opposite directions, and they're both right. So what is Shem going to be here to so listen to Pesach Pasuk dalit is such a hard pasuk to read, not in terms of understanding, but but to fathom that someone could do this and agree to it, it's it's really mind boggling So the people of Shechem say, okay, we're your allies. We're gonna pony up some money. So what happens? We're gonna give you 70 pieces of silver, and that is your seed money for the to install Abi Melech as the king of Shem and the Jewish people. By Scorb Abi Abimelech, what does Abi Melech do with the 70 pieces of silver? He hires Anashim Rakim u People that are raped, empty people. Pochazim. This Rashi. What's Pochazim? Boalim Bemaseim maso They're Bahul. Remember, Ruven is referred to as Pachas Kamayim unstable. He finds unstable people that will do something that is completely antithetical to rational thought. So what does he do? He hires them for 70 pieces of silver. They take the money, and that's the money that they use to assassinate, to annihilate, to Kill cold-bloodedly his 70 brothers, a shekel each. Remember that when Yo saved his soul, it's from Kesef, 20 pieces of silver. And even there, you could sit and say, 20 pieces of silver for real? You can kill your brother for 20 pieces of silver. But imagine killing 70 brothers for 70 shekel. Imagine killing 70 people. You basically are told you have to kill one person for a shekel. Shekel's nothing. That's what you're willing. That's what you're willing to spend. It is absolutely, absolutely mind-boggling. But they come to his house in Ofrah and they kill his brothers. B'nei 11, the only one that remains is Yotam. Yotam, the baby brother. He survives because he hid. barbanel asks, why are they all in the house? There, there are 70 brothers. They're for sure not from one mother. So he says, Maybe this is right after the funeral. That to me is even more mind-boggling. Could you imagine? They come back from the cemetery. They're getting ready to sit shiva, And that's when Abimel conspires to kill his, his brothers it's gut wrenching. Oh, or to determine who would be the ruler. Someone's got to be the ruler. Which of you are going to be it? And he kills all 70 of them minus Yotam. But Michael Hatton says, Yotam, what's the deal with Yotam? Is that really his name? What is a Yotam? He says, maybe. Yotam is actually, if you mix up the letters, what is it? It's Yotam. Perhaps it's not really his name. The same way Avimelech is not really his name, but it's the name that he attaches to himself to give himself importance. Perhaps Yotam gives himself a name that is to define himself. He wants to say, I am the ultimate Yotam. No father, no brothers. No family. by a The and this is the crowning moment, literally and figuratively. The Balay Shrem and Beit Milo. Beit Milo is a nearby city that Mikra says I have no idea where it is. It's something nearby, but there's no there's no archaeological ruins. There's no city that we can say is Beit Milo, but presumably it's a neighboring city to Shechem. And they come and they're Mamlech Avimelech Lamelech in a loan Mutsav And where do they do that? They do that on an alone, a tree, with monuments in Shechem. Let's take a break for a second and learn a little bit about Shechem. Ravi Galariel says the following Shechem he ear shall Kavim. It's a city of monuments. And it's got an ancient holiness. It's got a lot. We go back with Shechem a long, long, long way. It's really a Chaval that Shem is the, the, the Jewish city, or not really a Jewish city now, but it's a city that has such deep Jewish roots, and it's so hard, so hard to get there. But the Brit, the covenant that was established there, has two sides. Remember, we've seen Shechem, Shechem lies in the valley between the two great mountains, Hargrizim and Har-Eval. The Bracha and the Klala. Bracha and Klala are the, are the, the roots of Amunah. I have to believe in the blessings and the curses of God to believe. But it is also very much the roots of sadness. It is so scary to think that there's bracha and plalo, which one am I going to get? That's the city of Shechem. That's where Avimelech goes. And we're going to see it a little bit more. So he says in his footnote, there, they, there was a remnant, a little bit of the people of the Bnei Chivi who stuck around, they stuck around for a long time. And perhaps they were allied in some way, in some way with the Jewish people. And there was no reason for Yoshua to, to attack them because they were natural allies. That is the city that we're talking about. So they come. And they come to the Elon Hamutzav. What is an Elon Mutzav? Says, Art Scrolls translation, an Elon is a Terran It's a tree. It's a tree that we see in two other times. Two other places. In the Shem narrative. At the end of Yaakov's story, where the brothers, Shem and Levi, destroy and kill the city of Shechem, Yaakov buries underneath this elah, this tree in Shechem, he buries the idols and the Nizamim, the, the nose rings that his children had taken from the city of Shechem. He buries it. <laughs> He also, he writes it, and then he puts it by the, the Allah, the tree that's in the Mikdash Hashem. There's this tree. Perhaps Avi Melif goes back to that very same point to show this is a place that's important. It's a place that is steeped in Jewish lore. And he comes and that is the place that he chooses to be mamlik to anoint himself the king. Now we are going to try this. We're going to try this. No promises that it's going to work. If it does not work, I will send it in the recording. So the first person to listen, if you can't hear the video when I play it, you'll tell me, and I will send it in the in the recording as well. I'll send it in the whatsapp as well. <speaking in> hears. <Hebrew> that that this is happening. He hears that right now, something big is about to happen. Where? In Shechem itself. This is a terrible map. Terrible map. But if you look at it, even though it's very hard to read what's going on there, that over there is Har Eim And that over there is Har Greasy. And right smack in the middle is the city of Shechem. I've said this many times that one of the amazing qualities of Shechem is that you open up your voice down low, and it carries. When I was sitting on top of Har um, or Har Eval, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting. When I was sitting on top, standing on top of the mountain overlooking Shechem, what you heard was the conversations that were going down there. So it's weird. Weird that the voice noise carries so well. But it's a perfect place to be the because you do it down there, and it carries far, far away. So what happens? In Pasak Zion, Yotam hears this. by Yamo Roche, He goes to the top of Hargrizim. by Kolo, and he calls out by Remember, the same way their voices carry down there. Of course, up topic carries as well. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm guessing that I now I'm remembering, pretty sure that I was on Hargrizim, which is where there's Samaritan ancient Shomronim stuff. Our Aval is across the way. Um, I think that that's only accessible with the army. He says, "Listen up, people of Shem, by and listen to the word of God." Hello, This the Yotam tells a story. He gives a mashal. He says the trees went. They went to pick a king. They say to the to the Zayid, They say to the olive. We want you to be our king. I'm gonna let my richness cease. Asherbi That the my richness is what gives God and people honor. Oil, the oil that's used in the Mikdash, the Mishkan, the oil that's used in kohanan, to anoint Kohanim, the Melech. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be so busy ruling over you. What's gonna happen? going to happen is that I'm going to lose my place and I'm going to lose my richness. No, thank you. And I'm going to wave by the trees. Thank you, but no, thank you. So they turn to the fig and say, okay, you'll be, you be the king over us. Shall I give up my sweetness? And and my pro let my produce cease to wave among the trees? No, thank you. Turn to the grapes. You'll be the king over us. Am I gonna give up my, my, my grapes, my produce that gives happiness to God and people? And again to wave over the trees? Not interested. In the end, all the trees came atad. They come to the atad, they say to him, I want you to rule over us. So the atad says them, if you really want me to be the king, come. And sit in my shade. And if not, if you're not really interested in me, then what I want is fire should come out from my branches and consume our the cedars of Lebanon. And now let's see if the video works. Okay, that was a little bit weird for me to to watch to watch myself, but yeah, that's that's all it does. Says Rabbi is it it it's incredibly flammable. There's virtually no shade. There's a beautiful tent if you go to Naot Ktumim, which is a really fun place. Um, and I had the the privilege of going there with Gedalia Goldstein as my tour guide. Fabulous. So here it is. I am underneath that tree. But really, if you want shade, you go into the tent behind it. That's, that's the place that you're going to, to get, uh, get shaded. There is very little shade. It's hard to get close to it, but it is incredibly flammable. It will burn up in, in a heartbeat. And that's what Yotam is saying. He's saying, really? That's what you want? Fine. No problem. The Seder Gamur, it's all yours. So he says, and now, and did you really do right by appointing Avi after all that Gidon did to you? And Avi goes and kills his brothers and you choose him to be the king? My father fought for you. And he saved you. Now, if he's talking to the people, of Shem. You think the people of Midian went and said, Oh, you know what? We'll take everybody's produce, but the people of Shechem, one of the richest areas for for farming. It is such a rich area. It's, It's amazing the farmland that's there. I think Midian passed over it. He says, My dad gave up his life for you. And who did you choose in place? You chose Avimelech, who is the Ben Amat. He's not even a real son; he's a pelegesh. That's what you chose, simply because he's your brother. What chutzpah! Yotam says. But if you really believe it, if you feel in your heart that you are right. Then rejoice with Avimelech, and he should rejoice with you. The fire should come out from Avimelech and consume you, the city of Shechem and Milo, and the the fire should then reciprocate and consume Avimelech as well. And Yotam runs away. Listen to what Ravi Galariel says. It is absolutely, absolutely beautiful. <laughs> they, they, they anoint him by alon <laughs> matzav. Yotam goes up to Hargizim and he curses him. Now that should strike a bell. He curses from him? No! The curses don't emanate from Hargizim. Curses that made from Har evil. Why Har Grizim? Because In the place of Bracha, curses come. Har Grizim. Listen to all the things that they broke. They did that. They, they made They made idols. Not respecting, cursing your father and mother, masuk masig bu taking the the land away from people, maskever baderach harming the blind people, told injustice, v'chule v'chule, avimelech bachar b'schemi rov a chasav b'panah afiluk a pach klala turns shchem around shchem which is a city it's a city of bracha he turns it into klala. He, who are his allies? The binyeh who or the family of none other than and He strengthens their cananiness. And he he highlights he highlights that which they want to hear that which is not Jewish, that which is not religious, that which is Canaan. And what does he in the end do? He casts a, a appalling feeling towards who? His Jewishness and his Gidonis. His whole dream of being king is based on the notion his father told him these stories, I could have been king. I saved the Jewish people. That's what he says. And yet, what does he do? He completely sidesteps that. He ultimately becomes a Canaanite. Yotam is a smart man. Vayannas. He makes sure that he picks a good place to get out of there. Where does he go? Yotam, He goes to he stays there because of his brother, The Be'eira says, He says, I don't know where it is. Maybe he goes up, up to Harifrayim. Down. He goes to Harifrayim because he knows Harifrayim is a safe place. Yesh it's his place. It's now an Arab area called Khirbat Bireh, which is to the west of Beit Shemesh, by Nachal Sorei. Maybe he goes way up north to Har Tavor. But he wants to be safe. Yotam is out of the picture, and Avimelech says, "I am the king." And he is king for three years, but doesn't say Avimloch Avimelech. Says Yasar. The Radak says, "What's Vayasar? He's not a judge. He's not a king. He's a dictator. Manhattan calls him the anti judge. But if he's a king, he's certainly not a benevolent king. He's not a beloved king." He is a tyrant that forces his rule over everyone for three bitter years. God creates, he sends animosity between Abimelech and the Baalishchem. And they, 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 they rebel. This is all based on the, the animosity and what happened. This is all based on what happened. They killed the people, uh, the family of Avimelech. They place an ambush around the city of Shechem. Shechem is the, the thoroughfare that takes you from the coast to the, the east of Israel and back and forth. People, the traders are going to go through there. It's not a coincidence that Yosef is sold not far from Shechem. Why? Because the Orchot Yishma'elim and Midianim are coming through that area as they're heading towards the coast to go down to Egypt. So what do they do? They place these ambushes along the mountains. And what do they do? The ambushers steal what is coming through. Avimelech created tax toll booths there. You want to use my land? You want to come through Shechem? No problem. But we're going to take a piece, meches. So what happens? They steal it. So, by you got Avi Melach, here is this. And Gal Ben Ebed, again, you have to wonder if that's really his name. Gal is like the you word know, disgusting. He's, he rounds up an army and he decides that he's going to rebel against Avi And he talks to the people, and the people of Shechem are actually happy with him. For the first time, they feel they can go out to their fields and they could harvest their, their, their grapes by and they, they stamp on their grapes by women, they make a party, they make wine and they make a party. They get drunk, probably, and they curse They're They're confident that they could do this. They can go out in the open and they can curse Avi Why? Because they believe that they have a savior in Gaal. Who is Abi Melech and who is the city of Shechem in Why should we be subservient to Abi Melech who's ruling our city? Hello, Ben Uzvul and the kid, the son of Yerubal, Uzvul Pikido, Zvul his uh, his uh, his Pakid uh, his uh, his. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the word. Um, Akit is a uh, his officer. Sorry about that. They should serve. And Shem. What who are we to be subservient to these people? and if you all are with me, I'm willing to remove. And he calls out, he says, I want you to reinforce your army. Bring it on. I'm ready to fight you. Zvul, who is the officer and the confidant and the friend of Abimelech, he hears this. He is so, he's, he's burning up. Quickly, they quietly sends word to Abimelech. And they are laying siege to the city. And what what do I want you to do? I want you to come in the middle of the night. And I want you to circle in the field. And in the morning when you get up, they get up. You should plunder this city. They're coming out to fight you. You'll have the upper hand and you'll defeat them. Four heads. There's four pieces of their army, and they they surround the city. They're by the entrance of the city. And they come down from their ambush. So Gal says to the he's with the people. He sees them coming. He turns his zvul and says, "Look, they're coming from the mountain." I love zvul, and zvul says. It's the shadows of the mountains. They look like people. What do you mean? If They're coming from the belly of the land. Shem is the belly of the land. They're coming out. Listen to Possek. This is amazing. Amazing. Wait, really, big shot! You said bring it on. You brought it on. Now, you're you're nervous. Where where's your where where's your big words now? Come on, fight back. Zvul is dripping, dripping with sarcasm here. And the interesting question is: if Zvul is the confidant, he is the officer that works with Shem. sorry, with Avimelech, why is it that Gal is willing to uh, maintain a relationship with him? So listen to what Art Scroll says. Apparently, Gal maintained a civil relationship with Zvul, even though they're enemies. Now as they left the city together, Gal noticed Avimelech's men coming to ambush him. Cleogar comments that God did not want the attack to be complete surprise, so that there would be enough survivors to strike back at Avimelech later and fulfill the second half of Yotam's curse. But the first half of Yotam's curse is about to happen. Shechem is about to be destroyed as was promised. So, and there are corpses scattered all the way to the entrance of the city. And Zvul chases Gal and his brothers out. They take over Shem again. And the next day the nation comes out and they're told Melech, takes three army groups, three three troops, the people are coming out of the city, he kills them. And they wipe the people out. Avimelach nilchamba ir kolayoma. Avimelach fights the whole day. He according the ear with the Amashar b'harag. He that he destroys the city of Shem. He he plants it with salt. He destroys the city. Half of Yotam's promise. By called call Balei Migdal Shem. By Avod Suriach Beit El And The people hear this, and they're like, "Holy cow! This is insane! What's going to be?" And so they lock themselves up in the citadel, in the fortress of Beit El Reut. He hears that all the people of Beit Migdal Shem are there. He he takes branches and, and 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 shovels. They're going to build up a way to get over into the fortress. He sends people with him. asu whatever you see me doing, follow me. He kills a thousand people, he burns the tower down. He goes from there, goes to Tevet, and in Tevates, he surrounds it. Tevates is a fortified city. And what does he do? He conquers it. And there's a big fortress there as well, a big tower. They go up into the tower. Why do they go up into the tower? Because they know that's the safest place for them. And they're up on the roof. And Abimelech comes at Hamigdal, up until the fortress, up until the tower. and he, he He's fighting it. His plan is to do what? His plan is to burn it down. Look at the screen. Oh, a woman. A woman on the top. How embarrassing it is at the time for a woman to do this. A woman drops this huge millstone on the head of Avi Melech, and to direct him. but it's sm- to gulgalto it shatters his skull. With his last words, he calls quickly to his no the person that's holding his uh his kelim, his sword, take my sword and kill me. I don't want people to say I was killed by a woman. And his nar stabs him and he dies. Nun is fascinating. Because I think to see the way that people react is really amazing. Listen to what they say. They, they, what they do, rather. The Jewish people see that Avimelech died and they all go home. There's no affect there's no sadness. We just go no home. And God brings back the evil on Abimelech because of what he did to his brothers. And the, the curse of Yotam falls on both Shem and Abimelech. None of them survive. I'll share with you, with this will close, beautiful piece, just a short piece by Rav People wanted a king. They're the one that introduced it. They offer it to Giddo. The fact that they want it, it turns, it becomes the vehicle to have, land. One dictators, powers and dreams and aspirations in his hands. And it brought them to one of the lowliest places of Sefer Shofir. And when they go back to their homes, they learn the lesson. You don't need an angel. You don't need a navi to come and sit on the mountaintop and say, Azai, listen to what you can do. No, it happens very clearly. Reverend says it's going to be a very, very, very long time before they ask for a king again. The lesson has been learned. That monarchy in its wrong time is disastrous. Monarchy too early will not help the people, but it harms the people. The king is a dangerous thing. It is going to take hundreds of years until the times of Shmuel, till they ask once again. And so we close the chapter on a very, very difficult parak, in a very difficult time. And next week, we'll pick up with Perik Yod and pick up on what we would call the insignificant judges. There's nothing really in the story for us to really delve into. It's just a lot of facts, but a lot of low-level, not really important judges. And then that will lead the way into the end where we have Yiftach and Shem Thanks again for joining us. Have a wonderful week. Keep walking in the ways of the prophets.